Tyler Smith here with another More Than One Lesson mini So This is number 65. And uh, after many weeks away, now you guys don't necessarily know because we recorded a few mini-sodes in advance, uh, but for me, it's been like six weeks uh, since he's been gone, but he's back now. It's uh, Josh Long. Josh. Hi. How you doing? Good. How was uh, the shoot? It was it was very good. All a lot right. of fun. Got some good work done. Got to see a lot of Texas, a lot of rain. Oh, all right. Uh, yeah. While I was in Austin, it flooded. Uh, several people died. Actually, it were oh very, they were very serious. That, that worked in, on the uh, crew. That's no, no, no. rough. Okay, <laughs> we were just replacing people left and right. Yeah. No. Um. And uh, apparently, also some guy got maced in the face at the uh, X Games for uh, filming a cop. I think. Man. Oh man. Yeah. So you know what that sounds like to me? Extreme. <laughs> It was extreme policing yeah, was absolutely. the category. Yeah, that was it was part of the part of the event. Maybe that's the problem around this country is the police are being a you know Yeah. They're embracing the spirit of the X games. Yeah. And they're just like they're parkouring extreme. around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What was that? They're parkouring around. <laughs> oh my gosh. Speaking of parkour, which obviously immediately makes me think of Punisher Warzone. That's the first thing that I think um, of also. <laughs> no question about it. Uh, because now it's just like, well, now I know what I'd mentally like to do anytime I see somebody do parkour. Yeah. As impressive as it can be. It's like, it'd be more impressive if they got uh, blown to bits uh, with a rocket. With a rocket. Yeah. Um, but that got me thinking of Punisher and... Um, a little thing, uh, this is not a, an episode, so we gotta keep it short, but I will say, um, and this means nothing to you because you have not watched the show Daredevil. Uh, cast as the Punisher is John, I think, Bernthal, I think that's how you say it. Okay. He was in The Walking Dead. You might remember him as somebody who hasn't watched a lot of Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. You might remember him as the guy drinking in the shower. Yes, I remember him. You remember that? Yeah. Uh, and then he was also in Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. Um, he had like a, a, a mustache and was a very shady character. I think I can, I think um, I can place him. And yeah, and I and he was also in Fury. Um, okay. And I don't, I don't really like him as an actor. I think he's a, tr- I think he's a an over actor. Yeah. A lot. And when I think of the Punisher, a stoic character who's very quiet and grumbly and stuff. I, I don't think of this actor. A lot of people are excited about him. I am not. Hmm. And, uh, and I feel bad saying that I think he's a bad actor. Maybe, maybe he just needs the right director. Who's to say? Maybe, um, maybe he needs the right part. Maybe he needs the punisher. Maybe don't society needs the punisher. <laughs> um, and that might be true. Uh, I like everything that the, uh, that the, makers of uh, daredevil have done with their casting and uh you know they managed to rein in vincent d'onofrio who can be a bit over the top at times and so it could turn out well but it's just it fascinated me 
how much people were excited about the casting choice. And I thought like, yeah, I guess he looks the part, but have you, like, you're the same guys that undoubtedly saw The Walking Dead, right? Because he just continued to be, and it's not that he's, uh, emotionally, it's not that he's like, he doesn't hit the beats, he does. But do people love him on that show? Like, is he a beloved character of that show? Uh, well, I mean, you stopped watching after season one, right? right? Okay. So they bring the, they take the character to some interest, into some interesting places in, uh, the seasons that follow. Um, so, I mean, it could be one of those sort of things, because I've seen other shows where I, I don't think the character is very good, but people get latched onto it for one reason or another, and then they similarly love the actor because of that. Well, it might be that, and admittedly, there are a lot, you know, a lot of people love The Walking Dead, and I think it is, though I, though I hear the last couple seasons are great, and I haven't seen them, uh, People are like, oh, that show is great. It's like, eh. makeup is great. The scares are great. The characters are terrible. And the writing is awful. Um, but I think uh, that's that's a personal thing. But anyway, so it just got me thinking about that. And I, I put out a, a little uh, <coughs> tweet about it and a Facebook thing about it and got a little bit of pushback, much to my surprise. Hmm. And uh, anyway, so that's neither here nor there. What we are here to talk about is the Best Picture winner of 1981 – the Punisher. The Punisher War Zone. <laughs> where uh, it's like I'm going to win this I'm going to win this uh, track meet. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, this guy's in first. Let me just pull out my rocket launcher. Now I'm in Now first. I'm in first. <laughs> um and so uh yes, we we're talking about Chariots of Fire directed by Hugh Hudson and I only recently saw this film. I saw it a few days ago for the very first time after, of course, years, years of hearing it talked about from a Christian standpoint. Uh, it's There have been times when I thought like, oh, we should do this movie, uh, like do a real episode uh, about this movie. And maybe we still will, but it almost seems like a foregone conclusion. It seems like it's been done. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are we going to say about it? Yeah. Um, I can right now we're going to talk about it primarily from a filmmaking standpoint because i feel like like it has been thoroughly worked over yeah. in the christian community it is one of the it is one of the few like quote unquote secular films that christians very much embrace mm-hmm. um and i can understand why there's a lot there um yeah even in so you and i are part of the same uh men's Bible study. And even in the book that we're going through, which is a, a book called uh, every good endeavor by mm-hmm. Tim Keller, even in the most recent chapter, he references, uh, <laughs> this movie. Yeah. And so, um, there's a lot that Christians I think can wa- can learn from watching this film. And so if you are a Christian and you haven't seen the film, I'd recommend it. Yeah. Uh, partially, the quality is also very good, but mm-hmm. it also brings up some, some really good ideas and brings up some questions about, you know, doing what you do, uh, for the sake of God and what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, but we're not going to talk necessarily much about that right now. Uh, we'll be talking about the film itself. Uh, so yeah, so I, <coughs> excuse me, I just saw it. Uh, Josh, when did you see it first? This might be the one that's been the longest since I've seen it. Okay. Cause I think I might've seen this in high school. I feel okay. like I saw this uh, probably for that reason, because it was a, you know, sure. It was a movie that everyone talked about in terms of uh, Christianity. So there's a lot of things that I remember about it, but they're kind of vague things. Okay. It might be interesting to explore kind of what I, the memories that I have of it as... Uh, you remember ru- a lot of running? I don't remember any running. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the kind of conceptions that I have, it, have of it uh, seen next to the realities of it from someone who's, who's seen it very recently. So, yeah. Uh, 
there's a lot of stuff. I mean, I'll say this. When I first started watching it, probably within the first 10 to 15 minutes, I remember thinking, this is going to be very boring. It, that's a little bit of the memory that I have of it, is that it's it's a little slow. And But the thing is, that's the first 15 minutes. True. I got very much, as we got to know the characters, and mm-hmm. I think that is what sells this movie. Mm-hmm. Because this is not a film that I ever, I don't know why I thought this, having not seen it, but this is not a film that I ever thought would be like a character study. I thought it would just be, hey, here's a bunch of stuff that happened. And, and it's I get kind of inspiring. It, that's kind of inspiring. But it really does uh, delve deep into the two main characters. Mm-hmm. And the deeper we go into them and their motivations, um, the more involved I got. Yeah. And so, but for those first 10 to 15 minutes, I remember thinking like, okay, I don't care about running. Mm-hmm. Um either doing it myself or watching other people do it. Um, I don't care about the Olympics. Um, it's like, okay, these guys, the only adversity that they're facing is within themselves, which I like the idea of that, but it also doesn't, if done poorly, because again, at the time I didn't think it was a character study. So it's like, okay, so there's not going to be really, there's like, I'm rooting for them, but I'm not rooting against like, right, a, there's a, not an external, uh, external, uh, block or, or yeah. obstacle uh and then as time goes on you actually do run across some external things you know uh, some anti-semitism mm-hmm. um a lot of pressure it's so interesting because you have one guy who is uh i won't say oppressed but he is singled out for being a uh, jewish and another guy you know he's a christian which everybody's fine with right up until the point that it might get in the way of like a national thing yeah and then you get uh this old man who just who seems so british in which he's like in my day it was country first and then god <laughs> and uh it's like oh that's the spirit um but uh he didn't say it like that it was not overplayed um and so the more that these scenes come into play and you see these characters reaction to it, um, the more I really liked it. And it reminded me of a movie that came out, I think two years later called the right stuff, which you've not seen. No, I haven't seen. (laughs) That is also not a film that I think of as a character study when I first, when I was going to start watching it. And then when I did, it's like, okay, here's this, these team, this team of guys who are doing this really amazing thing and they're getting all kinds of external pressure, but there's a solidarity amongst them. Mm-hmm. And that's something that comes about in this film as well is other runners, in some cases, even from other countries, um, show solidarity with, with each other because when it comes right down to it, not even their coaches fully understand what it is to be out there. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I like that a lot. Um, so I don't, the, the pacing in the story, uh, pulled me in uh, eventually and then the filmmaking i liked a lot I, I really got a sense of the time period except for the score by vangelis <laughs> um what do you think of that score i mean everybody uh, knows the theme itself but right. the, but the score the score in general is of a piece with that theme. all i remember is the theme okay and i don't know i mean it's anachronistic and I, I don't remember that necessarily bothering me, but maybe that's because I already knew it. Or I, I don't know. You, most people know the score before they, or that theme anyway, before oh, yeah. they know the movie. Oh yeah, it's considered um, like one of the best scores of all time, and it won it won the Oscar for best yeah. original score that year. Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird because I also don't have 
problems with uh, anach- anachronistic music. I think what gets me is that the music, though modern, it's modern for 1981. So it's anachronistic for me in two different ways. Right. That's that's actually a reason that I generally don't like anachronistic music in mm-hmm. films because eventually it becomes dated yeah. in two ways like that. And so it might work for the time, but it yeah. doesn't work in the future. Um, like I think, I think in 20 years, people are going to watch gangs of New York and they're going to be like, this is ridiculous. This music. I, I kind of feel it now. I, I mean, I, I do a little bit too. Uh, you know, and what's interesting is I, I understand why somebody would do it, especially with a, a period piece. Not that this is, you know, lion in winter or anything like that, but it's, it might be like the choice to do that could be just sort of a, a signal, whether we're conscious of it or not, that, Hey, these things still apply. The the principles that these characters um, uh, they apply. adhere to they 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 can apply to 1981 just as much as the 1930s, but maybe not 1999 or or 2015. <laughs> right, it's right. But so I I understand the principle of it, but at the same time, I don't necessarily agree. Hmm. Sorry, I agree that it applies, right. but I don't agree that you need that. We were talking about Amadeus a while ago. Yeah. That uses all Amadeus music, uh, all Mozart music, and um, that, that used solely the song "Rock Me, Amadeus" for the whole. Uh... Man, what a weird little <laughs> snapshot of the of the period. But but like that music, it's weird. They made that movie with a modern sensibility, but still one that is firmly in that time period. Yeah, and it still seems as vibrant and vital today as it do, as it did then whereas this film by trying to show us like no no it applies to you i don't know in a way it almost seems like a like a youth pastor <laughs> or or like an english teacher trying to be like you know kids what well, the the, like, the standard thing is when people like shakespeare was kind of the first rapper yeah is that orange county is that uh that? probably yeah that's i don't know if like he says it. that exactly but it's it's something yeah. like um, that and so and it's like that's all well and good but you know, if you do your, this sounds terrible. If you do your job right, the thing is immediately timeless. Yeah. You know, everyone can relate to characters being motivated by something uh, external or internal. Everyone can relate to that, and we might need to bend our brain a little bit so it's like, well, I'm not a runner. Oh, but you know what? In my own life, I'm doing such and such, mm-hmm. and I think I know what it means to to be motivated by such and such a thing. Yeah. So, um. So yeah, the score, while perfectly fine, I think Vangelis also did the music for Blade Runner, right? Really? I might be wrong that, about that. That could be. That wouldn't surprise me. Although, it could be. That wasn't like Tangerine Dream or something. No, Tangerine Dream did Thief, which also came out this year. That's right, yes. <laughs> and oddly enough, I, th- I feel like that score is fine. That one doesn't. Maybe no, because well, the film is modern day. R- right. And then Blade the Runner 80s. takes place in the future. The future, yeah. And Vangelis actually works very well for that. It has a future sound. Like, that that was the goal of a lot of kind of that electronic music at the time, like Tangerine Dream and and Vangelis and, like, uh, what's that other one that... I think it's Popova. There's one that did a lot of uh, um, uh, Herzog films around that time period that was very, like, synthesizer-heavy and kind of future sounding. Okay, Um, yes, Vangelis did do Blade Runner and Collateral, among others. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Yeah. That's weird. No, I was just saying there were several bands like that, like those three and others that uh, 
think it was a lot of the the ethos of the eighties was was yeah. uh, the cultural ethos anyway was to make things feel futuristic like we're yeah. in the, we're in the age of the future you know yeah and so Star Wars the, yeah that was in the music. both the movies and the pr- space program <laughs> um, but it, it was in the movies it was in the music it was in the uh, like I think the style the yeah. uh, both fa- in fashion and design like car yeah. design things like that that was all kind of it is strange I wonder what kicked it into gear I, I actually wouldn't be surprised uh, if it was kind of the resurgence of um, sci-fi in the mid to late 70s could be. It, it could be that coupled with I think a lot of actual uh, big uh, technological advances that were yeah, in the time. True. I think VCRs were early eighties, right? Yeah. Um, C- were CDs happening? They were in the, in the eighties, but yeah, like 85, maybe 80s. even earlier. They might've had like yeah. prototypes and things like that back then, but there were, um, you know, I think there were a lot of technological advancements plus a, a renewed interest in sci-fi, you know, sci-fi became yeah. something other than the old fifties movies of, uh, you know, the, the, uh, right. Buck Rogers or, yeah. Is that right? Buck, Buck Rogers. Rogers. That yeah. sounds right. Yeah. Um, Flash Gordon is the one I was trying to think of, but both apply. Um, so I don't know. Getting into a new era of all that stuff might have might have kicked that into gear. Yeah, that's interesting. So it's it's an again it's an odd choice to have Vangelis do the score, but one that I under, that I do understand, but I don't necessarily stand by, and I think that actually makes the film less relevant to us now mm. than if they had just gone with a, a traditional score. Um, but, uh, it's still, it's still, a fi- I, I, the acting is great all around, uh, Ian, uh, Charleston, Ben Cross, Ian Home. It's a, it's a really good cast in general. Um, and they, they all seem to really try to understand their characters. I actually did a little bit of research and I saw that, uh, Ian Charleston, who, was not a Christian and was in fact, uh, was openly gay and, but he still felt that he had a responsibility to this character. So he read the Bible a lot, um, to the, and got to know this guy so well that at one point the characters is supposed to give a, uh, supposed to give like a rousing speech and the speech that was written didn't feel right to the actor. So he went to the director and said, this is, it doesn't feel like this guy. This is a guy who has a humility to him, and this speech is a little bit too big. Uh, do you mind if I take a crack at it? Hmm. And the director's like, sure, go right ahead. And so, like, this is a guy who felt that he knew this guy well enough. Th- this actor felt that he knew this guy well enough um, that he could actually write for him. And I'll say this. Uh, it works. I mean, I hmm. I don't remember exactly what the speech was, but I... I when I read it, I was like, yeah, that speech does fit with the character. It does seem more, it does seem very humble. I'd be interested to know what the original uh, speech was, but, um, so yeah. And then, uh, I will say that Ian Holm, uh, was nominated for his sole Oscar supporting actor for this movie. It seems insane that Ian Holm has only been nominated for one Academy award in his life. Um, but I guess he's the type of, I mean, you know, he was really wonderful in The Madness of King George. I love him in Sweet Hereafter. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's he's one of those actors that, like, what would you single him out for? He's uh, he's so often part of an ensemble. Yeah. And even though he is often one of the stronger parts of that ensemble, like Alien, for example. Yeah. I think that enti- that entire ensemble is strong, but his performance needed to be so much more than others. Right. And he accomplishes it beautifully, yeah. I think. Um and so, uh, 
but yeah, but he's really good in this in this film in a, in a very specific type of supporting role, uh, one that is not uh, unheard of, which is you know the coach mm-hmm. uh, or the trainer, you know the one who can be a little bit salty and that kind of thing. So uh, he does a great job with that. Um, the film did uh, win original screenplay as well, and that writer Colin uh, Wayland or Welland, I don't know how you say it. Um, he also I. I did research into this film, uh, much as the writer of the film did research into these events to the extent of like taking out ads in the newspaper, asking like anybody who was witness to these events or had, you know, he interviewed as many eyewitnesses as he could. Um, so it was very interesting. Um, but again, uh, I'll say this, uh, and there's a thing that has come up from time to time, uh, over a battleship pretension, the amount of effort, on the part of the director or the writer or the actors that the amount of effort doesn't necessarily matter if it doesn't translate to the screen. And I think it does, you know, there are plenty of people like, Oh, you don't understand. I put five years of work into this. It's I recently saw a film called the film critic, uh, in which a, a character has panned a movie. And then the director talks about like, I put five years of work into this. And that seems to be what people jump to. They're like, Oh, don't you realize how much work that so-and-so put into this film? It's like, that's fine. But did the work translate into good work on the mm-hmm. screen? And, uh, so I didn't want to necessarily focus on how much research was done and all that because, uh, I didn't it's want to communicate necessarily yeah. a, an indication of quality. Yeah. And in this, but in this case it is, I think it's a very well written film. I think it's really wonderfully acted. Hmm. And, and I also think it is very well edited actually. Um, hmm. especially those running scenes, like when they choose to go to slow motion. Yeah. Um, and then when, and, and not, um, you know, when you think of this film, you think of the song and you think of running in slow motion. Yeah. Um, not every, not every race is in slow motion, but he knows exactly, I don't know. This is one of the, when I think, when I think of slow motion, I tend to think these days of like something kind of hacky, Hmm. you know what I mean? Like it's such a, I I think of Zack Snyder to a certain extent. Yeah. um, Yeah. Uses it, I think poorly or at least overuses it. And there's at least one sequence in all of these Marvel movies of someone jumping through the air about to like hit something or fire magic at something or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It astounds me the contempt you have for these Marvel (laughs) movies. And yet you love all six star Wars films. Uh, Hey, so Hey, we're just going to breeze past. Watch it. Watch Um, it. <laughs> that is the worst thing I've ever said to you. Um, <laughs> you take that on back, or off. So, um, but yeah, no, with this, it's like, you know, the idea of slow motion is it's meant to, I feel like, and, and maybe you can think of another reason. I feel like it's meant to sort of, uh, emphasize an emotional truth. Like when you are, like in your everyday life, when you're experiencing a certain type of emotion, positive or negative, uh, now sometimes like, on, like on my wedding day, everything like seems to just fly by, mm-hmm. but there were certain moments within that where it felt like everything was going very slowly. Hmm. And I mean that in a good way, but then there are other times, you know, very negative times when it feels like, man, this is just not ending. And it yeah. feels like time is standing still. Hmm. Um, and so I feel like one use of slow motion is to get it to try to recreate that feeling for these characters. It actually, for me, tunes you further into these characters and what they must be feeling. Hmm. Um, 
at a climactic moment in their life, again, either positive or negative. So that's one. And then the other, I think, is to maybe do your best to create a, sort of a snapshot of a, a, a memorable moment in the film that is visually appealing or striking or iconic. Hmm. Um, and I'm sure there are other uses of, of slow motion uh, or other purposes, but those are the ones that I think of. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm actually trying to look up here. There's a, uh, I think this is the one. There's a, there's an Iranian movie about kids running. That part of it is a kid wants to win this race because mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to get something and give to his sister or something like that. And in the race at the end, there are sequences where they go to the slow motion. I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember how it uses it in there because I feel like I remember liking that. Um, I don't know. I feel like it can be used to kind of, in the same way that sometimes a director might use a a long static shot mm-hmm. to kind of take you, uh, take you out of just waiting for the next piece of information, right? And and kind of forcing you to contemplate on something for a moment. Um, I feel like it can be used that way and to contemplate on what the what the larger situation is, maybe. Yeah. And so that that could be something that I, I think might apply to Chariots of Fire, at least in parts. And yeah, it's. I think it's the it's. When you look at it a certain way, it could also, you know, along with it being like a climactic emotional moment for the characters, it could also be like, hey, we're watching history being made mm-hmm. uh, at this exact moment. Yeah. And let's take a moment and, yeah. and try to, you know, because the race is going to be over in 10 seconds, right, literally. Right. So let's slow this down and really try to... To think about like what the stakes yeah. are, what's really yeah. happening here. And yeah, and, and I think that might be the way it's used in this other movie that I'm thinking of as well, which I believe is called Children of Heaven. I think this is the one that I'm looking at now. I can picture the cover. It's got fish on it. Yep. That's yep, it. That's the one. Um, when you said fish, my first thought was the band. I was like, maybe I can't picture the cover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, have you seen that one? But, uh, but yeah, so I'm trying to think, you know, I feel bad that, uh, I don't have more to say. Uh, I guess more than anything, I'm trying to address what people might already think of chariots of fire coming in. Uh, which is slow motion, the score, and we're just watching a bunch of people run. Why is that interesting? <laughs> and I think it's... But I think because the film really wants to understand what is literally driving these guys, what mm-hmm. they are, one could say, chasing as they run, um, I think uh, I think that's what makes the film as solid as it is. Mm-hmm. And it is a, a very, very... I'd say a great film. You know, the music doesn't always work for me, but sometimes it actually does. You know, my, while I might not, might not like the, uh, the synth score, the musical beats sometimes work great for me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so the film won best picture, original screenplay, costumes and score. It was nominated for supporting actor, uh, director and editing. So, uh, looking at the other, nominees for best picture i've seen three of them but not all four and that's atlantic city on golden pond raiders of the lost ark and reds i have not seen atlantic city i've heard it's very good i couldn't even tell you what atlantic city is i it's with burt lancaster and uh susan sarandon um in which he's an older gentleman who i think goes to atlantic city and develops a relationship with uh this much younger woman who I uh I was going to say maybe she's a prostitute but I don't think that's true. I think I might be thinking of something else. But uh but yeah. 
I've heard it's very good. I hear he's really great in it. Hmm. Um, so I'm kind of intrigued by it, but no, I haven't watched it yet. Huh. Interesting. So, yeah. Um, I, and I, I don't think, I don't think I've seen on golden pond. Oh, it's really, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's really good. It's based on a play. Right. Another um, play. And, uh, it, I feel like I might've seen some version of it. Like maybe I've seen the play or maybe I've seen like a TV movie of it. It's or some, at some point it's possible. Um, but I don't think this is the one with Henry Fonda and, yeah. uh, and, uh, Catherine Hepburn, right? Yeah. yeah so I have, I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very good movie. Um, I like it a lot. I think it's really wonderfully acted. It's, it's such a, it's one of those movies that often they will be based on plays where it's very, it's very quiet, a very slow, a much slower pace. Um, and, uh, just kind of, you know, it's about these two much, uh, these two older characters. And so it kind of lets them set the pace, mm-hmm. uh, beautiful performances, uh, Henry Fonda, especially. And so for which he won best actor, I believe. Hmm. Um, and she won actor and she won actress as well. Oh, so, cool. um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, obviously we've all seen it. I don't remember this. Oh, one. okay. All right. Um, this is about Noah's Ark. It's about Noah's Ark. Yes. Okay. And then, uh, it's a bunch of pirates that, uh, you know, they attack. That's the thing. They are go- It's off course. One could say it's lost. And then uh, these pirates decide, let's get those animals. They're going to raid them. Yeah. Okay. They want to so, steal the animals for like food or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It's a that brilliant film with that's Harrison a- Ford as Noah. <laughs> that's a part of the Bible that people usually don't get into. <laughs> and I'm, I'm was very disappointed that Darren Aronofsky left it out of uh, I his know, Noah film. I know. I mean, you know, Ray Winstone, I, like he's kind of, yeah. I mean, I think that, like John that was Davies to- played the, the, that character in right. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Um, we just said silly things. Uh, and we'll talk more about that later. Uh, and then there, of course there is reds directed by Warren Beatty, uh, which one director and a few other things. Um, I saw reds in high school. And, uh, yeah, who cares? Uh, yeah, I saw it, it in is, college and it, <laughs> I feel like it was vaguely interesting when there, when there's a point when these two idealistic, uh, leftist young people realize that communism isn't all it's cracked up to be. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I feel like, why did there need to be a movie to explore that? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too hard on it. I, I think that is a real thing. There were a lot of people who were very enamored of communism who oh, over yeah. time have, have realized that it's not what they think it's going to be. That There's even a note of that in uh, Steven Soderbergh's Che, I think. Hmm. But uh, I don't know. I, I felt like the, the movie was... I, I don't remember liking Reds that much. I feel like it being... I remember it being kind of forgettable, a little bit boring. I remember liking some of the performances. Jack Nicholson is in there as Eugene O'Neill. I liked him a lot. Um, but it's just... Uh, I'll say this, what it's exploring is fine. I like the idea of it, of, you know, a portrait of the U S it's a thing that we forget. Like we tend to remember, okay, uh, the cold war red scare. Uh, we remember that, uh, there is us on one side and the communists on the other side. And what we forget is that, you know, for a while, I mean, there was like the reason that there was the red scare is because there was a lot of interest like mainstream interest in communism yeah. and think because it hadn't yet been shown to be impra- uh if I'm being nice, impractical, <laughs> uh, if I'm being rude, uh, murderous. Yeah. Um, and so also that's, a, that's a fine thing to make a movie about. Right. Maybe not the best thing to make like a three hour movie. About. It's, it's a long movie. It is yeah. a long film. Isn't it Diane Keaton? Yeah. And I feel like that whole movie, I still think she's Annie Hall during that movie. She seems too innocent to be that character, I think. Hmm. 
And maybe it's the way she's playing it. I don't know. But like, yeah, I don't know. And also, I feel like the film also shows a, even though, again, it's these characters feeling like I, I have more of a memory of the film defending these idealistic yeah, I do kids too. and, you know, and that's the thing. It's one thing to defend idealism. Right. And, and even if, even if you don't agree with the ideals, I think that's, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just the way that it portrays almost in an easy writer kind of way, mm-hmm. uh, except now instead of drugs and such, it's communism. Right. And so these people are flirting with this thing and they meet with all kinds of American bigotry and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, obviously, you know, they shouldn't be beaten up and murdered or anything like that right. because of, the, of these beliefs. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. It, it, I feel like the film lacks the proper perspective. Um, but again, I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, these are, they're just based on the things that I remember again from high school. Uh, but yeah, it's reds is not a film that is vital. No one really needs to see it. It's not really remembered that much either. I feel like, yeah, Yeah. like Warren Beatty won best director. Like he was like, that's a, a it's weird to think, you know, um, cause people think of him a more as an actor. And then when, then it was like, Oh yeah, he did direct some things. Uh, not only did he direct, he won an Oscar for directing yeah. in 1981. Um, so looking at these best pictures, uh, I mean, I'm inclined to say that Raiders of the Lost Ark should win, but I'd say it's between that and chariots of fire yeah, because kind of. chariots of fire is also, I had put it this way, more substantial. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark is the greater cinematic achievement and obviously right. one that has influenced uh, generations of filmmakers and film lovers. Right. And it might be one of the best popcorn movies ever, but it's still kind of a popcorn movie. It is. Yeah. So. Um, but w- of course, you know, wonderful action, really wonderful effects, a very a, a relatable hero. And yeah. it's it's a wonderful film. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, looking at. And so I get, you know, we often talk about, oh, does such and such a movie deserve to win Best Picture? And we talk about it in terms of what the Oscars want a Best Picture to be. Yeah. And if you're, if we're looking at that, then obviously Chariots of Fire, between that and Raiders of the Lost Ark, Chariots of Fire deserves yeah. to win. Um, but if I'm just thinking about what I like and also what people like and what is maybe the better movie in general. Mm-hmm. Like a wonderfully made, a wonderfully made and engaging and timeless popcorn movie, one could make the argument is better than a a a great but maybe less relatable and less memorable, you know, serious movie. Yeah, um, it's hard to say. Yeah, but then you get into the whole question of like, what? How do you qualify best? And right, then that gets yeah really messy. <laughs> so the que- so ultimately, what the question then comes out to is, you know. Um, is Chariots of Fire a worthy best picture knowing what we know about best pictures? Yeah. And I think it absolutely is. I'd say is. yes, yeah. Um, looking at other uh, movies that were released in 1981, uh, I consider it something of a lean year when yeah. it comes to this type of movie. You mean like Oscar winner Oscar movies? Oscar winner movies. Yeah. When we, when we branch out a little bit and look at uh, other things, we see American Werewolf in London, Superman 2, Stripes, Time mm-hmm. Bandits, Body Heat, Evil Dead, uh, History of the World Part One, The Howling. I put in Nighthawks there as a joke. Nighthawks. Um, <laughs> uh, that's, for, that's for one person. Yeah, uh, who's not listening? Uh, <laughs> scanners. And so you get again. You get a lot of like mainstream films that we still watch now and still remember now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as far as like 
Oscar type movies in some capacity. You get stuff like Das Boot. I'm um, kind of surprised Das Boot wasn't nominated for Best Picture because that, and, and it may just be the foreign language thing. Maybe, yeah. But that's a, I saw that movie the, for the first time a couple of years ago and, and I'd oh, always really? heard of it. Yeah. I'd always, have you seen it? Yeah, in high school. Okay. I'd always heard of it, but I, it sounded like it was not going to be that interesting to me, but then I was kind of going through German cinema and I was like, well, you know, you need to see this one. That's like the one that everybody knows. If you know yeah. one German movie, it's probably Das Boot. Is that true? It might be. If, if you pick your man on the street. Because I think your your film lovers they know your they know the Herzog they know Fassbender. Movie. Yeah, that's yeah probably. But if I you feel pack, like there's got to be others. If right? you picked a if you stopped someone on the street and said name one German movie. Well, this is where I get elitist because I feel like they'll be like, <laughs> I can't get away from me. <laughs> they might they yeah. might mace you. Um, um, but yeah. I, <laughs> In this uh, strange theoretical, I'd say it's probably Das Boot. But that's a that was a really good movie. I liked it a lot. Yeah, um, it's really good. I, I thought the performances were great. I thought just the the tension, like all the stuff of being in a you know in that situation, yeah. was fantastic. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a little. Um, I think I think uh, David over at uh, Battleship Pretension. I think he shares this with me, which is I have a love of submarine movies. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's it's an it's immediate drama. Yeah, it's an immediate pressure cooker. <laughs> yeah, no matter what, you're trapped in a so, small space. Even um, movies like U five seven one, which I didn't like that much, I still, still enjoy. A submarine. It. Yeah, you're you're and submarines are instruments of war, so you're inherently yeah. in a in a uh, dangerous situation. Yeah. Um, my favorite of the bunch, oddly enough, is probably not Das Boot. Um, yeah, it is probably Crimson Tide, which I think is I have not seen Crimson marvelous. Tide. Marvelous. Yeah. Um, Man, that's a good movie. It's directed by Tony Scott uh, before he became kind of that sort of the kinetic editing sort of thing. And really wonderful performances by Gene Hackman and Denzel Washington and two different points of view uh, regarding like nuclear war and stuff like that. It's a really great movie. That's cool. Can't recommend it highly enough. But it did not come out in 1981. Sure didn't. Das Boot, however, did. And it's a wonderful film. Probably should have been nominated for uh, Best Picture. Uh, another film that I am a big fan of is My Dinner with Andre. That's a very um, good one, too. And that seems like it could take that on Golden Pond slot a little bit because it's two yeah. actors. Um, but in this case, they're just sitting there. And yet, somehow, it's sure. still riveting. Yeah. I think so. Which anyway. I think is, I mean, I think that's quite an achievement to have two people at yeah. a dinner table for... Yeah. Is it two hours? It's probably shorter. Maybe hour. Probably a little shorter, but yeah, not much shorter. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, uh, and then this was also the year that, uh, Thief came out, which is a wonderful film by Michael Mann. Uh, mm-hmm. Arthur was released this year, mm-hmm. uh, and it won Best Supporting Actor for John Gilgood, uh, who was actually also in Chariots of Fire, <laughs> um, in a much, uh, more humorless role. <laughs> so, yeah, 81, again, kind of a lean year as far as, uh, Best Picture. Um, so I will end asking uh you what um what i always ask you which is if somebody said hey i'm gonna i'm planning on watching cherry to fire would you would you say absolutely you should do it yeah. or would you say eh, it's fine no i'd probably say yeah it's a good movie yeah and then i'd do the theme song a little bit and they'd like they'd say please don't do that and they'd mace you in the face yeah probably um <laughs> yeah and uh, and i will say once again it, it is a good it is a very good movie if not a great movie and so uh, because the artistic quality is there, I have absolutely no qualms recommending it to fellow Christians because, or anybody really, but like, there's a lot of things that I think a Christian could watch, uh, could see in this movie and think, oh, wow, this, you know, how does this apply to my own life? These are some really interesting ideas. 
Um, I'm not recommending the film solely based on that because if the film was crap, but it had that, then I wouldn't recommend it. But, um, but it's that as well as being really good. So seek it out. I think you will enjoy it. Um, next week is, you know, I'm not even going to talk about what next week's episode is going to be because it hasn't been recorded yet and it involves uh, a guest and you never know if someone's going to cancel. So Who knows we will hold off and see what happens in the meantime, Josh, thanks for being here. You're welcome. Thank you guys for listening and we'll get you next time. Bye.